This morning we're beginning a new sermon series for the next couple of weeks on who we are as a church. As we begin a, a new year together, we're, be, we're going to be looking at our mission together as a church family. What has our church said for years now? This is who we are and this is what we do. To, to go through that this morning, I'd ask you to let's turn to Jonah because I just want to do a quick look at Jonah's activity in each of the chapters. And as you're turning to Jonah, uh, go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter 5. So if you turn to Jonah chapter 5 and then we'll just follow along. You can follow along in your notes. Um, but I'm going to walk through each chapter. What do we see about Jonah? Jonah chapter 5. I had a seminary professor, Ray, easily tricked me with that too. Turned to Jonah 5 and I turned there. But here was, listen, I, even, I remember I worked at Twin Lakes one summer and the, and the leader of, of that camp the first day he got the counselors together, he said, all right, everybody, as fast as you can, turn to the book of Hezekiah. Hezekiah's a good king, righteous king, not a book of the Bible, but he wanted to see how many of us were, were flipping through. Ray Easley at Wesley Biblical Seminary one time preached on Jonah chapter 5, and I've never, I've never gotten over that sermon. His contention is this, there should have been a Jonah chapter 5, and I think he's on to something. So what we want to do is just watch and trace what, what happens in the life of Jonah throughout these chapters, if you're looking on your notes in your bulletin, but then what's our response going to be? Will there be a chapter 5? What do we see about Jonah's life in chapter 1? You know this story well, right? He passes out. He's told to go. He gets on a ship. He goes to sleep. There's a storm. He's thrown over, and Scripture says he's swallowed by a great fish. That's chapter 1. He passes out. You get to chapter 2, Jonah prays. Actually, when you read this prayer, just like Simeon's uh, proclamation last week, it's written in the form, really, of a hymn or a song. This shows, again, God is a God, as is testified in Jonah, in, uh, Jonah 4, God's a God of great compassion. Because Jonah's singing was apparently so bad that that fish had to spit him out, okay? So we've got him praying to God. And then, let's just stop for just a second. What's going on, by the way, in Jonah's time? What's, what's going on with Nineveh? Uh, these people in Nineveh literally were the essence of human exaltation and anti-God power. Their leader, Nimrod, we have a different kind of slang for what that means. The root word actually means to rebel. That's who these people were. Even if you drop back, go down a few verses later in verse 8, the king acknowledges that we are a people of evil and violence. That's what's going on historically there. Politically as well, they are a warring and aggressive nation. Anybody ever heard of the term, let's take a head count? They did. And they would, the chieftains would wear them on necklaces. They did things to people when they overtook them that because of children in this room, I'm not going to tell you what they did, but they did it to everybody in a city except for one person. And then they tell that one person, all right, you go to the next city, tell them what we did and tell them we're coming. That's the kind of people that God has called Jonah to go to and to share a word. So what's going on in Jonah's life then? What's going on in his mind to know you want me to go there? I'm out. Could it be maybe hate or revenge in his heart? Did Jonah know somebody who had been under the thumb of those people? Maybe that's what's going on. We're going to look at that in two weeks. 
Um, we, I hope you'll be back on, on January 20th for that. Could it just be flat out fear? That I know you want me to go there, but look what they do, and it really becomes a trust issue. Will I step out and do what God wants me to do when there's that kind of opposition? That's a word for us today as well. Or could it be, listen, he's been taught since he was a, he was a youngin. You just don't mix with that kind of people. That kind of paganism, that kind of idolatry, that kind of violence, we are not People who live like that don't have anything to do with them. There's all kinds of reasons that might have been in Jonah's head and in Jonah's heart keeping him from doing what the Lord had commanded him to do. And so he passed out and he prayed. And then we get to chapter 3 and what does he finally do? He preaches. He gets there in chapter 3. That's where our passage is today. And he preaches to the people. And literally, he preaches in one sentence. Do not get your hopes up. <laughs> it will not happen. <laughs> a sermon in one sentence. Actually, in Hebrew, it's five words. Five little words. And then you see 120,000 people, as Jonah 4 ends, who don't know their right hand from their left hand, come to, come to the Lord. Repent of their sins. These warring and wild people. If you go through 5 through 10 in this passage and just see how they greatly repented of their sins just because of God's word it's a reminder again God's word does not come back void God's word is a sword and if you and I will be ready to have the word of the Lord on our lips there's no telling what God can and will do through that he, he preaches 120,000 people turn and then we get to chapter 4 what does he do he pouts 120,000, don't know their right hand from their left hand. You get to chapter 4, and he pouts. Verse 3, as he's looking at their salvation, says, I'd rather die. And then you get to verse 8 of that chapter, because he had some shade of this big, big plant. God then sends a worm and does away with the plant just because of the heat of the day. <coughs> I'd rather die. Two different times. You have Jonah pouting to the Lord. And then you get to what should be chapter 5. This is a really awkward way for a book of Holy Scripture to end. If you get to the end of chapter 4, if you're looking, how does it end? How does a book of the Bible, inspired by the Spirit of God, as Scripture would say, how does this authoritative book of the canon end? It ends with a question. It's God saying to Jonah, What's it to you if I want to give my compassion to 120,000 people don't know their right hand from left hand? They got all these, they even got all this animal, this great city. What's it to you? And that's how it ends. It ends with a question. And I think what Dr. Easley was getting to when he, when he shared that about Jonah 5 is it seems like Jonah said his five little words and didn't stick around. There is no evidence archaeologically, there is no evidence biblically, there is no evidence historically that Jonah stayed. He says his words, he pouts, and then there's no discipleship. No discipleship. Now listen, you know what's going to happen when there's no discipleship. For one generation, what you get is these people who have repented, they're less aggressive. History tells us there's no more war for a generation. They have come back to the Lord, they have really turned around, and there's 
there's real repentance and life. But after a season of no discipleship, they're worse than ever. The stuff I talked about, that gets restarted and it's worse when there's not a chapter 5. When people will not stay with people and do the work of discipleship. We are called in our mission statement as a church to build faithful disciples. That means to make them, and we're going to talk about that in two weeks, to make them. But what we're seeing here, and you see a pattern sadly throughout church history, it also means we've got to stay with and do the hard work of discipleship. That you and I also need to be under that discipline of discipleship. And it's not just that they're more aggressive, y'all. This is about 500 B.C. Back then you had three religions, right? Animism, Hinduism, basically, and Judaism. That's it. Three. This same time period, Confucianism, Zoroastrianism, Buddhism, Taoism, a couple others that I can't spell or pronounce, right at this same time. Nineveh is the gateway to the east. Jonah has this opportunity not just to say a word of repentance, but to do this work of discipleship, no telling what could happen. We hear horror stories coming out of China right now and other countries in terms of persecution of believers. People who for centuries have missed out on the gospel. Could it be because we did not stay and do the work of discipleship here? We lost our chance to dialogue uh, with the East. So, what do we, what's the principle? What's the reminder then? There has to be a Jonah 5 for you and for me. Just has to be. If you and I, as Corey prayed this morning, and we hear Linda pray this all the time, if you and I are going to look like Jesus, if you and I are going to have our lives transformed by Christ, con conversion, coming to faith, is the first critical step. But it's a life of sanctification. It's a life of discipleship, of being committed to being first, as the root word of disciple means, first being a learner that I'm going to put myself in places, whether it's my own quiet time or, or with the church, I am going to grow and learn of the ways of, of God. We're excited today to talk about something new we're going to do for a lot of us. Not all of us, but a lot of us are going to do this. Uh, you'll see it in the newsletter this week. You'll see it on your church app. You can see it on a blog. You can see it on our Facebook page. You can even get it through email. But we're going to start next Sunday January 13th, for those who want to, a Bible reading plan. We're going to do a Bible reading plan that's three years long, not one year. And it's not because we are quitters. <laughs> it's not because we're not disciplined. Uh, but it's just going to be a chapter a day. You know, if you do a chapter a day, you can read the Bible in three years. And so we're going we're gonna, to, you'll see it in the newsletter, just a, a three-year plan, a couple of New Testament readings, Sunday, Monday, four Old Testament readings through Saturday, uh, uh, through Friday, and then Saturday is just going to be a psalm. And then in three years, you will have been able to say we've walked through the Bible. Part of the reason we're doing that is this, too. If you've been a part of a one-year re reading plan, a lot of us have done that. If you get behind a couple of days, it's a monstrous task. And so we're just going to just do a chapter a day so you can catch up. Also, in that plan, there's going to be a lot of things that will be there in terms of videos and supplemental materials. So if you want to go deeper, if you're just reading a chapter a day, you can really go deeper and really dive into that passage. If we're reading five or six chapters a day, sometimes it's harder to do and give extra time uh, for study. It'll also be neat to see what God does when you and I are all on the same page for three years. 
walking through the same scriptures, talking about the same things. That's January 13th. There is nothing like being in the Word of God and under the Word of God if we want to grow in our discipleship. So we encourage you to do that starting January uh, 13th. You'll see it in the newsletter uh, this week. But also, uh, John Wesley would say, if you and I are going to do discipleship well, he would say there is no such thing as a solitary Christian. And so I'd press you, I'd ask you, to do discipleship well, Jesus does discipleship in groups. To do discipleship well, Paul does discipleship in groups. To build faithful disciples, we would push you that discipleship happens best and is most fruitful when it's in groups. Whether it be a Sunday school or one of our small groups or discipleship groups, you'll hear about new discipleship groups opening up in February. There'll be opportunities. You haven't been in a group. We've got several new leaders who have been trained for a year, and they're going to be opening up new groups in a month's time. We hope you'll be a part about that, be a part of that. We started a new Christian formation team, I guess, within the last year or so. They're working on all kinds of ideas to help grow us together. We've got some special events coming up, revival, guest speakers to grow us. It happens when we are together. Women of the church, if you walked in today, we pushed a piece of paper on you. Here are all these studies, ways for you to be a learner so that you can be a better follower of Jesus Christ, all the Bible study opportunities. But discipleship is not just informational, it's not just relational, but here's a reminder too, and this is what was missed in Nineveh. Discipleship has to be transformational. I, don't, I just don't want to be in his word to, 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 to just understand more. But real discipleship, Doing life together and discipleship together means I can, as Corey prayed, I can, I can look more like Jesus. He can do a work in my heart if I will be under the, the tough spiritual discipline uh, of discipleship. Do you know Billy Graham would never come to a city unless there was that? That if he was going to come to Memphis, if he was going to come to Dallas, he would say, show me a group of churches and pastors that will disciple. And if you don't have discipleship in place, I am not coming. There will be a Jonah chapter 5. I don't do Jonah chapter 3. I'm not going to come and say my five little words and leave, plant a seed, and nobody's going to water the seed and grow, grow it. I will not do it. As we commit ourselves to a new year, we are. I love this about our church. We have said, first and foremost, we're going to talk about serving next week. But we've said to ourselves for years now, we believe in discipleship. That that's, that is so much the heart of our life with each other and our life in Christ. How is it you need to recommit this year to being a growing disciple? Or you're going to end up a ruthless Ninevite. Let's just face it. No. How is it? In your quiet time, you're going to finally connect with others, be real with others, walk with others. And then in two weeks, we're going to remind ourselves, too, that a disciple really hasn't lived out discipleship unless they're making disciples, too. Who are you going to mentor? Who are you going to walk with yourself? Uh, I love that we're a church that says, this is what we're about, serving Jesus, but building faithful disciples. There was no Jonah 5. We don't know if Jonah stayed. We're going to stay. And ultimately, the reason you and I can stay John 13, 1 says, Jesus 
love them to the very end. Right before this meal, John, even though he didn't record the meal, but it's right there at that time when he had the meal and the washing of feet, John says, our Savior loved his disciples. He stayed with them up until the very end. We celebrate that today, that he stays with us. He will meet us here as we celebrate him, remember him in the sharing of this holy sacrament. Hear then this invitation. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another. We remember today that on the night in which Christ was betrayed, he took bread. He took that bread, gave thanks to God, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By our spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.